I have a very specific body type and that is attractive. Just like fat bodies are attractive. We can have tastes and preferences, but when it becomes something that is fetishized or it becomes something that's fat phobic and we're like, we can't date this specific type because they are fat. That's where it gets into this like harmful narrative. Welcome back to Bad in Bed, the queer sex education podcast. I'm Gabrielle Cassell. And I'm Bobby Box. Later in the episode, we'll be joined by Miss Giggles, or Megan, who is a fat activist, marketing expert, and dog walker to talk about all things all along that spectrum. Fat sex, fetishization, social media, marketing, all those things. But before we chat with her, we are going to talk about bodies. I'm so excited to talk to Megan because I feel like I have so many folks in my DMs asking me how to adjust sex positions. And so to be able to talk to somebody in the first person about those experiences, I think will be really great. Right. And on top of that point, I do think it's important to mention that, you know, Gabby and I know that we're not um, fat people. So we don't want to speak to this as like, as if we know the experience. That's why we're bringing Megan onto this conversation to kind of talk to us from her perspective and she is such if you don't follow her on social media she is truly like one of my favorite follows absolutely is she absolutely. not like yeah so um before we get into um the interview with megan um gabby and i kind of wanted to talk about her own experiences with body issues and whatnot uh we're gonna get a little vulnerable here um but i guess i'll start with my own you know um i was always kind of in the uh dad bod territory you know so um dad bod is just kind of like you know you've got some mass but you're not like ripped or anything so like you've got a bit of a belly and whatnot so I mean it's taken me a while when I was not out of the closet I was more okay with it than I was when I came out of the closet oddly enough oh wait say more about that yeah so um I felt like there was less pressure to be in great shape as a straight man than when I came out I almost dropped 20 pounds like within less than a year and like really kind of like started going to the gym way more and eating a lot better just because well not better just eating food that I don't know and like I finally kind of met that happy medium now but um I just felt this immense pressure to look like you know the gay men you see in media which are like you know absolutely absolute adonises basically Mm -hmm. like they're not even like oh that's in good shape no you're in like terrific eight pack shape So, you know, like in the competitive space of being, you know, a queer man, you're on the grinder grid or scruff grid. And it's just, you know, it's just your picture there. So you want to stand out among the bunch. And to do so is to have a nice body, you know, like if you have a picture of your body and people find it attractive, they're going to message you more than somebody, you know, it's like a big competitive thing. Wait, so I have a question about that because I feel like based on my limited knowledge of gay male culture, that there are a bunch of different like animal categories that like identities that men can get placed in based on their body shape like my understanding is that is that bear would be like the word for somebody bigger like are there are these these buckets based on body category honestly yeah like it's yeah that's all it is so like you would get uh a bear is like a big husky hairy man uh an otter is like a thin hairy man a twink is like a a slim hairless man 
like it's it all goes like that and then there's other like less popular animals like there's a wolf where like they're bigger than otters but they're smaller than bears but they're hairy it's all very that wait can i what what would you be classified as i have no idea i think i i am between bear and otter but i guess that's cub that's there's another one cub like you're not quite a bear but you're like halfway what would i be Oh, you'd be a jock, 100%. <laughs> yeah. And that's what brings me to you next. So, like, Gabby, if you have not seen images of Gabby, Gabby's in incredible shape. And I just wanted to, like, how is, what's your experience been with your body? And have you always been Miss Fitness? Or is that something you discovered? Or, yeah, give us the story. Uh, so, yes, athlete has always been a really crucial part of my identity. Um, mm. I played rugby in college which was a whole thing. And I played rugby at a women's college, which was a whole thing. (laughs) And then following college for about six months, I didn't have any outlet to channel my competitive energy. I am a really competitive person. Mm -hmm. Ended up joining CrossFit and have been obsessed with CrossFit since. Um, Recently moved someplace new, joined a new CrossFit box, and I'm now on a CrossFit competition team, which does not mean that you will see me at like CrossFit sanctionals or the CrossFit games. I am not at that level, but Mm. I am... but I like to compete locally. Um, so I have I have a body that you would probably recognize as a CrossFit body if you've ever watched the CrossFit Games um, so on like how ESPN. How often do you do like – how often is CrossFit for you? Um, so we, we train five days a week, two okay. hours a day in the box. And then there's like addition – the box is the fancy word for gym. And then we do like additional components. Um, I don't talk about my CrossFit journey and my relationship to CrossFit much on my social platforms mm. because I know so many people who follow me really follow me exclusively for like sex positive, body positive, queer inclusive sex content. And I'm always really cautious about how I talk about CrossFit and like the fact that it's something that I do as frequently and as often as I do because I I'm really nervous that the language that I'm going to use around it is going to come off as shamey or prescriptive or just like introduce people who have a history of disordered eating to Mm -hmm. fitness content that they just don't have interest in. So it's interesting for me to be talking about this on our sex podcast, but definitely my body and the various shapes that it has taken and ways it has evolved Mm -hmm. over my CrossFit journey has hugely affected who is attracted to me. And I think it's like, I think that's very honest of you to say. And I think that's, I really appreciate you sharing that. And I also think that something that I personally know about you is that CrossFit is also a really huge social thing for you. Like you love, you know, beyond the working out and the exercising, you find it very nice to like, you know, it's kind of like a club that you, you belong to and like all your friends are a part of and you have a good time hanging out five days a week. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, you know, at the time that we're recording this, I'm still being incredibly COVID cautious. The one time that I get out of my apartment beyond grocery shopping with my mask on is exercising with my CrossFit pod. Um, So for me, there is this sort of like pandemic savior piece of it, but Like when I first started CrossFit, I found that the folks who were most attracted to me were more masculine presenting folks. And over the course of my body bulking up, I have found that I am more likely to be read as mask. Right. And also to therefore like attract 
more feminine presenting people. So it's been really interesting to watch like who is attracted to me as my body has, has shifted in its various ways. No, that's incredibly interesting. Like I feel I've, my body really, I've always kind of been actually, you know what? No, when I was in high school, I was like twink central. I was a, a stick figure basically. And then like, as I hit college and just kind of, I just kept kind of, you know, gaining weight, but like just filling out more. Mm. and um so now I'm like in a completely different category than I was so I guess I can relate but I wasn't I only came out when I was like in a I was a hairy actually that's another thing body hair I shaved my body hair completely when I was in the closet still because that's how I that's what I thought women liked and that's like what women told me they liked at the time wait like including your legs are we talking pubes no 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 like uh pubes and chest and stuff like that like I didn't have any hair on my chest or anything oh interesting yeah and then when I came out people were like don't you dare touch that hair and I'm like oh okay Mm. yeah I I love hair I love body hair I think armpit hair is really sexy you know what that is very common and that is something one of the few things I don't get into are like pits, but mm. I can't speak from other people, but like gay men love them some pits and like the more ripe, the better. Oh, yeah. ripe as in like sweaty and like, yeah, sweaty, stinky. Like, yeah, they love it. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Let's bring on Megan. I'm really excited to see where this conversation with her takes us. Absolutely. Let's do it. known that I'm not quiet when it comes to my affection for prostate massagers. And the Duke from Fun Factory is one of the more unique devices to have ever touched my hole. Its unique shape simultaneously stimulates the prostate internally and externally by both hugging the perineum and vibrating directly against the prostate via its two speeds and three rhythms. Because Fun Factory always brings the fashion, the Duke is available in both sea blue and black. For more information on the Duke, visit funfactory.com and get one for yourself. Giggles is a sex-positive fat advocate, social media influencer, and branding manager whose content is not only fantastic and informative, but crucial for folks who fear they might not fit the narrow confines of what's deemed sexy on social media. Hi, Megan. How are you today? I'm doing great. How are you two? Oh my gosh, we're so excited to be talking with you. You have such energy on social media, and I know Bobby and I have both interviewed you for pieces, and so to get Mm -hmm. to share your energy today is so exciting for us. So excited to be here. In, in describing the work you've done, you use the word fat quite frequently. Can I just ask you, like, you know, I feel like there's a misconception that fat is a negative word or it's mm-hmm. even an insult. Is the word fat bad? Can people who are straight-sized used it? Like, give us the down low on this language. Us as fat people definitely have trauma around the word that we kind of have to unpack. And I think mm-hmm. for me, it was re-educating myself of what the meaning of the word is. So it's a descriptor. It's not a negative. It's not a positive. It is literally something I use to identify in this world. And when us as marginalized people and marginalized bodies take back verbiage and words into a space that we're saying, hey, it's okay to actually say it to us, it takes back some of that power and it takes back some of that representation that people have used to harm us. Um, And that 
kind of similar vein. How do you feel about the phrase body positivity? It's funny because, you know, the body positive movement was something created by queer, fat, black, Latinx people. When we look at the phrase and the way that it's used and the meaning it's used now, it is not people representing what it was created and used to protect those marginalized people for it. No longer is representative of the community. And although body positivity, you know, on the surface sounds like, oh, yeah, it's great. Like, let's discuss all of us being happy about our bodies. I think for me, the language definitely has shifted because through educating myself, you know, I think that we don't always have to be happy about our bodies. It's okay to struggle. It's okay to have a revolving understanding of where you are with your current, you know, mental health and physical health. And you're allowed to just feel neutral, sad, happy, all those things doesn't mean that you should be harassed, not receive the same medical care or understanding than any other straight sized or, you know, uh, smaller sized bodies. Mm -hmm. And that's where the conversation to me gets very convoluted. Yes, I think everyone should be happy and protected within their bodies. But until the most marginalized and the fattest bodies in our communities are, then that's who we need to be centering around that conversation. What are some of the ways that you recommend folks cultivate confidence? Is it something that you can like actively work on within yourself? How do you do that? Oh, 100%. Hmm. I mean, nobody is just born, you know, confident, right? And we are not, you know, in a vessel. I'm not confident all of the time, all day, every day, right? Mm -hmm. But I can say that I am confident within the things that I think that I have a skill stand, I'm confident within myself as a human being. And a way that I help to facilitate that is really grounding myself in the things that I am capable of, Uh, reminding myself of the positives that I bring into the world. And then also, you know, cultivating an environment in which I have people in my corner who are supportive and understanding, people who are not making me question my current worth, And also surrounding myself with like-minded friends and, you know, partners that, you know, bring me confidence and I give confidence within themselves is huge. You've written online that negative body image isn't as much coming from doctors and nutritionists as it does the media, which I I totally understand. I told we've, me and Gabby were at a um, sex camp few years ago where we heard something similar. So I was wondering where, like, in which ways the media is kind of keeps perpetuating this negative image. Um, Well, I also want to clarify that, like, obviously, doctors and nutritionists can add into our negative body image. But I think for the first and foremost, it's a societal thing. And what is more of a reflection of society than our media? I think for myself, we have to keep in mind that we live in a capitalist, uh, Eurocentric uh, society. And what's going to make more money? People feeling confident and not needing more products to make themselves more beautiful, skinnier, uh, interesting, or making people doubt themselves, feel like they need X, Y, and Z to become a better human being, and then investing into that. So it basically feeds into like this societal standards that are in our capitalist structure. And people, I don't think, realize that. It's like, They're here to make money. And the more that we can, they can manipulate 
and influence us into believing that we are non-perfect human beings and we need to constantly be investing our time, money, and influence into this other understanding, then the better they're going to do. In that, actually, in that vein, do you think that there are people, a lot more people than uh, what we think who are into bigger bodies and fat bodies, but are influenced to be attracted to thin bodies because that's like what society is like this is what it should be or what whatever yes and there's a quote that is mine that i would like to use and you know in our society we kind of hold thinliness next to godliness um we put it as the end-all be-all of societal standards like you can be a horrible person but if you are thin and attractive you will always be accepted in society and so i think there is a lot of shame and difficulty you know accepting we can be attracted to different body shapes so we can be attracted to different types of people you know i i have had instances where people have asked partners of mine you know why are you with this person they're fat Right. And it's something that is still shocking to me. It was something that happened. I was on a date with someone and, you know, one of their friends mentioned something when they saw my photos or heard a descriptive. And then eventually they're like, oh, that person is actually amazing and beautiful and capable. And it's like, it's sad that we have to, you know, position ourselves in a certain way and improve ourselves constantly. Mm-hmm. And you know, it, it it is a scary thing because I know for a fact how many people are attracted to fat bodies and fat people. We are attractive, um, you know, not because of our bodies, not, you know, despite our bodies, we're simply attractive people. <laughs> and it's um, it's it's really horrific. The things that people are afraid to. It's just like kink shame and, you know, being afraid of the things that interest us sexually socially you know somebody who's really into legos and feeling shamed about being an adult into legos but it's on a more severe spectrum when it comes to body shaming and fat phobia Mm -hmm. and yeah so i know for a fact that many people are attracted to fat people but it's mostly that societal shame that keeps them from actually openly discussing that attractiveness or dating fat people And in terms of like a person being attracted to a fat person, like what is that line of being attracted to somebody because they are fat versus I'm attracted to a fat person just as like I'm attracted to a redhead or, you know, whatever the other Mm -hmm. moniker is. Um, For me, it's when somebody is only attracted to your vessel and nothing to do with you as a person. They only see you as this fat body, not Megan with the fat body, just Megan the fat body. And for me, in my experience, while being fetishized, like people are very quick to fetishize you. It's something that they can't really hold or hide because they immediately go into making you feel like a thing, making you feel less than human. Like you feel like a walking body that has no meaning to them whatsoever besides your physical being. Wait, what does that look like? Like comments? No, I mean, I honestly, let's, so I went on a Tinder date with a very sweet man about six years ago. 
And when we became intimate, it became very clear that I was just there for his physical pleasure and that he just wanted to fuck fat women. Like, it didn't matter who I was. It didn't matter if we had any common interests. I literally felt like I was just there because of my body type. Wow. And that's the difference of, like, feeling attractivist, like, being attractive to me and attracted to my body and then being fetishized. Like, I have tons of people who are in my life, like, find me attractive because I'm an attractive woman. It's, you know, like, I have a very specific body type and that is attractive. Mm -hmm. Just, like, fat bodies are attractive. We can have tastes and preferences but when it becomes something that is fetishized or it becomes something that's fat phobic Mm. and we're like we can't date this specific type because they are fat that's where it gets into this like harmful narrative but yeah for me I mean people who fetishize fat people make it very clear and I think you can describe right from their verbiage within the first like five minutes of conversation so you know, it's it's kind of horrifying to just be created for this thing and you just are here to be checking off a box for someone. Wow. Not you, yeah. the person. Yeah. If there is one question that I get more in my DMs than am I bisexual, to which I always reply, if you are asking an internet person if you are bisexual, you are likely bisexual. That question is, what is the best dildo? And I'll tell you what my favorite dildo is. It's the Fun Factory Limba Flex. And no, I'm not just saying that because they're sponsoring this episode, though I do love that they are sponsoring this episode. First, it comes in two different sizes, a small and a medium, and neither of these sizes are so huge that you're going to have a situation where your eyes are bigger than your holes. Both of these dildos are about four to five and a half inches of insertable length and one to two fingers in thickness, which means that beginners of strap-on sex and pegging can enjoy them. Reason number two that I love these dildos so much is that they are bendy. They are bendy. This means that you can literally shape the dildo to best fit the shape of the canal, anal, vaginal, you know. And the third reason I love them so much is that they are turquoise and not fucking Teletubby purple like all of the dildos on the market these days. If you want to check out my favorite dildo, head to funfactory.com. Do you find that um, as a sex worker, like on OnlyFans and whatnot, uh, do you find that your fatness impacts your work at all? Like, do you find that people almost take more liberty with saying things that are a little more fetish? Like, how do you deal with comments like that on a platform like OnlyFans? Yeah, I think for me, um, I think it's more so online in general, because I've made my OnlyFans so particular as like, yes, I'm fat and hot. Let's like move on. You're here because I'm fucking hot. Whereas um, online and on Instagram, I definitely think people take liberties and talk to me a certain way because they don't consider me a full human. You know, when you exist in marginalized bodies, no matter what, I mean... It's, it's a very frustrating thing because people perceive sometimes that you are less than. 
and that you are willing and accepting to be treated as such as well because that's how they perceive you in their mind. It's a reflection of them. It has nothing to do with you. So keeping that in the back of the mind that like this is entirely on them. They know nothing about you, nothing about your worth and understanding and just moving on. You know, don't give that person that space. Bobby and I were talking about like how our responses to getting sexualizing DMs is incredibly different. So when I get a DM that feels like it's sexualizing me, I feel incredibly invaded and I hit the block button super fast. Bobby, can you explain how you what you said to me yeah. earlier today when we were talking about this? Yeah. So I take it as a compliment, but somebody who didn't know how to phrase it properly. So I, I see it as like, I kind of, it makes me feel good that you find me attractive, but like, you just didn't say the right thing to me. It's like, it's kind of like a confidence boost, but that's it. You know, like you didn't do this right. I, I feel like Bobby, don't take any offense that that's just, it's a, it, that's good. I'm glad that you take it that way. Cause that's such a positive way to take it, but it just feels like such a male response. Cause you're like, what's the worst can happen? Like somebody's hitting on me. Cool. Like, let me right. just educate them. And I feel like for me, it goes, I feel like the messages I get are sometimes harassment and threatening. Mm. And I feel like that might be the difference of the quality of the messages. So true. Yeah. No, that's a good point. I guess gender definitely plays into like how we would react to that because even as a gay man, you can get um, cat called on the streets and stuff, but I'm still like, oh, well, thank you very much, sir. Like that's how I, yeah, yeah. so that makes sense. Yes. When I, I talked to you about a, a Wealth Simple article a while back and um, somebody else I spoke to said that they feel that platforms like Instagram and OnlyFans treat fat sex workers differently than they do others, like the platforms themselves. Have you found that? Oh, I mean, a lot of my, you know, discussions on Instagram is how suppressed fat marginalized bodies mm -hmm. are on Instagram. I mean, I personally have been deleted six times now and I've never even uh, hinted at being posting a nipple. Right. So um, <laughs> the amount of times I've had to petition Instagram now just to exist right. is astounding. I created a TikTok that grew to 12,000 followers within a month under my Miss Giggles mm -hmm. name. And I posted a video of me in a bikini on a beach and I was immediately deleted. And it's so troubling, too, that Instagram and OnlyFans are interfering and even disabling the accounts of fat folks because this is how people make money. Oh, 100%. Being constantly shadow banned has probably cost me thousands upon thousands upon thousands of dollars at this point, right? And this is what happens when we continue to perpetrate a fat phobic society and we allow it, which we do. We are. I don't feel as though enough people are questioning why we don't see more and more fat people when we make up a majority of the population. Obviously, that's what's happening because, yeah, fat phobia. <laughs> yeah, as the way a lot of our um, concept of sex and gender and everything is changing, the concept of like what bodies should, quote unquote, look like is doing as well. But like you said, not nearly as fast as it should be. Absolutely not. I mean, I was thinking this, so like I work in social media at Reddit, right? So I'm always looking at brands and seeing like what representation actually looks like even within our new york city sex positive spaces especially sex clubs i mean i never mm -hmm. see anyone who looks like me on instagram and it's like those are the businesses that ask me to support them you know because they see my platform and where I'm located. And I'm like, I don't even think I would be comfortable sharing that space. And usually I had an amazing 
comment recently that I received from somebody who found me on Instagram. And they said, hey, I didn't know how to say this, but like I saw you at a Hacienda event walk in and you were literally the first fat person that I've ever seen at a sex club besides myself. And you looked like a fucking goddess. And it gave me so much confidence seeing another amazing fat person there that I finally felt comfortable in these spaces. Mm -hmm. Seeing people who look like you and who look more marginalized than you in spaces that you want to be in, you know, convinces you that you might be able to actually access them. Do specifically in the sex, right? Because we all just have different bodies and shapes and, you know. Yeah. Things like that too. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, um, to, I wrote an article on something called sides and these are people who don't, uh, this is the definitions limited to gay men currently, but it's, um, they don't like penetration. So, um, one of the people I spoke to said that it's because he had uh, him and his partner had bigger bodies that they resorted to sides to being a side. But now that they've realized that like they enjoy it more anyway, like, I think we also have to speak about sex in the way that it's not penetrative all the time. And it doesn't always have to be that way. Yeah. Yeah. The beauty of sex and sexuality is it's such a broad and interesting thing. And it's not linear for anyone. And especially with bodies and fat bodies, it's still people having sex. You just sometimes have to be a little bit more, uh, you know, inventive in your positioning, but, and especially that disabled bodies Mm -hmm. as well, or really anyone, it really is dependent on what sexual acts you're trying to do, how you're going. For me, it's like, yes, we all want to look sexy, but like, you know, it's all about gaining your pleasure and getting comfortable with your body. So, and getting comfortable with your partner. So whatever is going to make the sex better for you, do it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Don't be afraid to like play around and figure out what works best for you. As queer sex educators, Bobby and I talk a lot about the fact that in sex education, what we see is like a man and a woman and they have penis and vagina sex. But like even more specifically, like the images that I saw were really thin men and really thin women, penis going in vagina. And it's interesting because I feel like with queer sex, there's a lot of talk about how you need to decide what the acts that you want to try are and how everybody feels about those. And there's such a deep amount of negotiation. And I always say that being able, being a person that has queer sex has been such a gift because it allows me to explicitly ask for what I want and like mm-hmm. communicate about how we're going to go about that. And it sounds like similarly, like with fat people or fat bodies, like, okay, like these are the things we want to do. What are the things that we need to do in order to get there? I mean, right. everybody can take a lesson from the let's negotiate ahead of time playbook yeah precisely and like what are we capable of what do we like to try and if it doesn't work out what can we pivot to I feel like that's something that works in all Mm. sexual landscapes as a queer woman myself you know I like to say that like everything's on the table but like then nothing could be on the table too and it's all okay you know that's Mm -hmm. the beauty of this is like there's so many options there's so many things and we need to get away from this like p to v or that we only are capable of doing very like linear specific sexual acts and that's that's not inherently the case body bodies are weird sex is weird weird things are going to happen during sex nobody is like the sexiest thing ever when they're trying something new and you know anyone that's having you know specifically anal sex it's like you know things happen and sometimes things don't Mm -hmm. happen you kind of just have to you know be flexible be flexible with your sex be flexible with your partners and remember that the number one 
goal is pleasure for yourself and possibly causing pleasure for somebody else if it's partnered. And that's about it. So Megan, oh my gosh, so much information we have learned from you. Where can people continue to learn and unlearn from you? What are your social handles? Where should they give you a follow? Oh, thank you so much. So my Instagram is Miss Giggles, M-S-G-I-D-G-G-L-E-S. If you want to see some amazing lewds and some... You know, fat positive photography. Follow me on OnlyFans. It's that fat babe. And yeah, all of my links and stuff are on my Instagram as well. Amazing. Oh my gosh, that's a pleasure getting to to spend time together. (laughs) Yes, thank you so much for having me. On next week's episode, Gabby and I will be chatting with award-winning sex and relationship coach and canisexual Ashley Manta on cannabis and sex. We chat about the best strains for sex, the magic of THC and CBD suppositories, and whether CBD is the miracle it's marketed as or just glorified snake oil. Follow Gabby and I on Twitter and Instagram at Gabrielle Cassell and at ByBobbyBox. You can also follow our fabulous sponsor at Fun Factory USA and our incredible producer Vivian McCall at Pansy is Gay. Music for the Bad in Bed podcast is provided by Rubber Band Gun and Star Moles. Inside the heart of the machine.